Don't shoot anyone. <laughs> As we go into the rest of this holiday season and you're all getting the gifts and everything that's happening. Don't shoot your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your Friday Night Rewind. Hi, Corey. Hi, Drew. I just didn't want to start this time. I wanted to make you do it. So thank you for saying hello to me first this time. If I know I if I had known I was in the role of starting, let me actually get back into how you start. Hi, my name's Drew Mukes. What's your name? Corey Severance. <laughs> now we, now I'm out here sounding like Dora. Hola, soy Dora. <laughs> okay, so are you having a good old time, Drew? You having a good week? <laughs> yep, yep. It's been a good time. Been a good time. Nothing crazy has happened to me, though. I guess as a general recap, which this is podcast related because we discussed doing this. And now mm-hmm. a little bit missed opportunity that we didn't. But I've been in peak Hunger Games era to um, watch the new Hunger Games movie because I wasn't going to watch mm-hmm. it for the mm-hmm. longest. I didn't read the new book. But mm-hmm. then the trailers got me, so I had to read the book. And then I forced my sister to sit down and rewatch all the original movies because she never finished the series. Mm-hmm. It was a whole thing. Everything on my TikToks, Hunger Games related. I'm in peak t- Hunger Games 2012 era right now. So mm-hmm. I'm in the right mindset for the podcast. Except we're talking about a Christmas movie today, so not really. Yes, a Christmas movie made it like the, whenever it was made, it was it's not a 2012. But I'm in the, that, that nostalgic looking back of mindset, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, yeah, it is a nice opportunity. We should have really done the Hunger Games. We did. We did talk about it. We did consider on rewatching all of it, and then even including the new movie in this podcast, just because it was like a build up to it. But we were like, no, we don't have enough time. We could have made it work, Drew. We really could have. We could have made it work. Missed opportunity. We could have really been ran the wave of the the Hunger Games craze again with everyone else. But alas, here we are. I also. Would like to let you know, I think we have finally gotten a number one fan, Madison, without <laughs> fail, every single drop. She sends me texts. She calls me or something. You know what I'm saying? I think we have a number one fan at this point. Yes. Given that, yes, she is our number one fan right now because she always is out here responding to the Spotify question and answers. And I'm here for it, Madison. Mm. I'm so here for it. What was the last question on the, the last, last thing we dropped? The last thing that was dropped was planes, trains, and automobiles. And by the time of this recording, mm-hmm. this is the last thing that we posted. Also, let me preface mm-hmm. this. The one before, it wouldn't let me... The, the one before that was Vampire Diaries episode. And I always, I'm always, i always proud of the questions or something that I can manage to cobble together or something we reference. It wouldn't let me put it on the last Vampire Diaries episode that I posted. It just would not give me the, mm-hmm. the option to put the questions in. I don't know why. I didn't question it. This time it did. But so for planes, trains, and automobiles, we had two questions. One was, do you have a traumatic travel experience you'd like to share with the class? And the, the poll was, who has the better accent, me or you? Um, yeah, I, I got a text pretty quickly with Madison saying, Corey, I love you, but I voted for Drew. <laughs> I was like, that's fair. I'm. That's the point I'm trying to make, isn't it? Wait, did you not? Did you vote for that one? I know you responded to the other one. Did you vote? I voted for you, yeah. Okay, there were two votes. I knew one was Madison. I didn't know if you voted the other one, too. Yes, I did. What is Madison's? What is her travel experience or her poll question? Yes. No, her travel experience. Travel experience. 
Uh, well, let me first call you out. Your response mm. was mm. you missed a flight out of Denver to get home to get back home once. That was your traumatic travel experience. Not quite with... on par with plane trains and automobile automobiles core, but I. It was not not on par. Also, it was fucking traumatic, and it was with Natalie Toll. And guess who had to buy both fucking tickets on the next plane home? So I lost out on three tickets, essentially. Okay, I guess that's a slightly new experience. Madison's mm. is a bit more movie-esque from it's, the way it sounds. She says, yes, when I got kidnapped and stalked by a gang in Mexico. Oh, yeah, she told me about this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have her guest star and tell this story. <laughs> I feel like people are going to be like, screw the movies. I don't care about the movies. I want to hear these stories that Madison has. Madison has some crazy ass stories. I've always been a little worried about her, especially when she leaves the country. <laughs> Oddly enough, we might have a Mexico themed. We might watch something Mexico themed and have Madison on to share that story because also Dahabo has a very interesting mexico story when she went to cancun last year i have never been to mexico i would love to go maybe i can go before we talk about mexico so i can actually participate in this mexico stories <laughs> i've never been to mexico either okay so you and i need to go so we can participate in the mexico stories and our stories are probably gonna be like yeah we had a great time that's it <laughs> <laughs> but wait but let's back up a little bit core how have you been this week i already i shared my little spree a little bit how have you been you didn't answer the question you didn't ask Obviously, that's where the conversation goes. That's why I'm asking you now. What is? <laughs> how was your week? I am good. I went to the Eagles concert. People are probably going to be like, who are the Eagles? You are probably like, who is the Eagles? I am. Yes. But I was going to Yes, you ask, are. But yes. You need to ask because I'm going to tell you who I saw. That's why I didn't ask. <laughs> Their most famous song is probably Hotel California. Oh, I do know that song. Okay, I saw them. They also do this one. Cut your losses. I knew Hotel California. Cut your losses. That's (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I feel like you'll know this one. I've heard it before. I know the chorus. That's all I know, though. Take it easy by the Eagles. And you know who opened for them? The Doobie Brothers. Do you know the Doobie Brothers? What do you think the answer to that question is going to be? I think that you know them, but you don't know you know them. Drew, what do you even listen to? Because if you don't know any music I've ever listened to, it's not just exclusively you don't know classic rock, because you just don't know anything older than like 2010. Clearly your tastes are not where where it's at, Core. Just clearly that's what that means. Oh, don't you even know? You have, oh my God, Drew. I'm about to come through that screen and beat you up. <laughs> Next time I see you on site. Okay, Dahabo. <laughs> I saw the Eagles and the Doobie Brothers opened for them. And actually, Steely Dan was supposed to open for them. And if you don't know the Doobie Brothers, you're not going to know Steely Dan. But Steely Dan, it's a band. And I think the lead guy got sick. So they canceled. So they called the Doobie Brothers at the last second. And they showed up. 
And I'm a much bigger fan of the DB brothers than Seely Dan. So that was great. And then obviously the Eagles sounded good. Like how they sounded in that song that I played, Hotel California, Don Henley, that's the singer. And he sounded exactly the same in person. And so did everyone else in the band. And I actually got to see what they look like. And for people who know Joe Walsh, he's was in the Eagles. This with the most love that I can possibly give, but Joe Walsh, I'm pretty sure, has fried his brain with drugs. <laughs> he he was struggling a little bit, but it's fine. That's not the direction I thought you were going to take that. I don't know why. That's just not oh, what I thought we were well, going. Oh, where'd you think I was going? I don't know. I thought it was going to be something like, I say this with the most love. This man is not attractive. That's where I thought that was going, but that was not not that surprising. Yeah, he's not that either. (laughs) He's not that either. I think he is. He's an old man and not the good kind, not the Peter Capaldi kind. He is a old man that has fried his brain with drugs. He made a really good joke, though. At least I thought it was funny. He said, I had a great time in my 20s and the 70s. But I'm having a better time in my 70s and the 20s. <laughs> I think that's pretty cute. That's that's cute. I can see that's I can see that being a shirt. I always yeah, think about be. merch opportunities. Except we're not in our 70s, so if we're wearing that, it'd be strange. We're well, in our 20s have, and the 20s. We've got to have merchandise to appeal to all audiences, not just our group here. From the data mm-hmm. shows. Our audience is from 23 to 27. We Mm. need need to appeal to the larger audience here. We need to get something to grab the older generations. That's why we started with some older movies. And we've been exploring some even further older movies. And we'll continue to do that. Actually, great segue here into our movie today. A bit forced, but I'll take it. You know what? It's fine. You, like I said, next time I see you on site, Drew, I'm a little pissy with you now. Bring so, it on, our... sister. Bring it on. <laughs> Drew, just because you can swing a stick around in karate class doesn't mean that I can't still beat you up. I'm beat you up without the stick. Also, don't forget it's a boxing. So mm, you might have a little mean left hook coming your way. Actually, it would not be my left hook. That's probably my weakest. <laughs> okay, you got some kicks coming your way then. Beat oh. this. Let's go. <laughs> but anyway, back to your segue. All right, so we watched A Christmas Story. It is a 1980 classic with quotes on that. Because again, like I said, with planes, trains, and automobiles, I don't feel like it's classic. It is because it's from the 80s. And that's been 40 years ago at this point. It is also just iconic. I love it. But it just doesn't feel like a classic to me. It just feels my childhood, a movie from my childhood. No, I don't know. Because I'm on the other end of the spectrum with this. I know it's iconic. I would, I'd, in my mind, it's more of a classic than playing trains and automobiles. But just because I remember, mm. I know about it just a bit more. But I'd never seen it. I'd seen it in commercials based on like, little previews that came up in like some of the movies I'd watched growing up, the little tongue on the light, the telephone pole scene, that scene I'd seen. And that's why, how I knew what a Christmas story was is because I was like, what is that movie? Uh, and mom was like, Oh, that's a Christmas story. So that's how I knew what it was, but I'd never actually watched the movie. Drew. You mentioned this prior to us starting. Give me your opinion. It was Okay. I probably wouldn't watch it again, ever. 
I I know you're shook. I know, but <laughs> it was okay. I didn't like. I got a little bored with it to be honest, but I know you're just shook. I thought you might want to save this for the end. I just wanted to know ahead of time what you were thinking, but I you've not only have broken my heart in a million pieces. I I also just I don't understand. Obviously, I I want to ask explain why you feel the way you do, but let's do that after we go into it because we want to that yeah. way if you want to bring up specific scenes, we've talked about them. But just in general. I just, I've broken my heart, Drew. That's what I'm here for, Cora. I'm supposed to, I'm, this is the energy I'm supposed to bring to this podcast. Okay. It has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means that other people like it, Drew. And it's based on, okay, so this guy, his name is Gene Shepard, all right? Not to be confused with the female country singer, Gene Shepard. This is a man named Gene Shepard. And he grew up around, I want to say, the 40s. But I feel like he actually was a little bit after that or a little bit before that. But either way, he had a good idea of what it would be like to be alive as a child in the 40s. And he wrote a short story and continued to write a couple more. And you know who Hugh Hefner is? I know the name. Remind me why. He's the guy that owned playboy bunny magazine okay so playboy bunny magazine asked john shepherd to write these short stories for them so their short stories the short stories he wrote appeared in playboy money magazine during the 50s and 60s mm. and i actually don't know the last one he wrote i don't know any kind of more information than that just that he wrote them originally for playboy bunny he also was a radio show host at the same time and was becoming famous for that then he took these stories and compiled them into a book of short stories called in god we trust but all others pay cash and that's actually a phrase i don't know if you've ever heard that before no it was used a lot because and i feel like it was used a lot more maybe even in the 30s and 40s but it's essentially saying that we trust god to pay with credit but we trust no one else to pay with credit therefore mm. paying cash does that make yeah. sense? And yeah. So that is what the movie is based on his short story book. And Gene Shepard, the reason I said like he was a kid around the time some of these stories were set is because some of them have some basis in his life and some of them don't. We don't know which ones do and don't. But there's your backstory. To summarize this movie in one sentence... A Christmas Story is a childhood nostalgic movie where an older person that we never see is reflecting on his childhood one particular year during the 1940s, and it takes place roughly nine days before Christmas and leads us up into Christmas, and it's just the things that happen in that nine-day period. I believe mm -hmm. it's nine. So our story is set in Holman, Indiana. It's not a real place. It is a fictional city, but it's supposedly in this universe set outside of Chicago. So it's up there. And like I had just said, it's supposed to be in the 1940s. I have a lot of Indiana facts for you that mm -hmm. are going to come up over the course of uh, this breakdown. Because I live in Indianapolis. <laughs> so this will be fun. Yeah. Yes, I am biased. 
And the beginning of the movie, it opens with, okay, so first of all, there's a narrator, right? Yes. There's, that narrator yes. is John Shepard. So he actually is narrating this movie. Okay. So if you want to know what he sounds like, doesn't he have a great speaking voice? Even if you don't like the movie, you're going to tell me you don't like his voice. It's okay. I wasn't struck by it or anything. It's fine. I didn't have any issues mm-hmm. with it. For me, I feel like his voice is the epitome of Christmas. Not the case for me, but we know what we understand why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So John Shepard also voices the narrator for the entire movie. And John Shepard makes a cameo. And I'll point that out when we get to that in my little synopsis. So you actually definitely okay. see him. You probably just don't realize it. But, okay, so our overall story, we start with the kids at the corner of Hickby's at the beginning of the movie where they're looking at all the toys and displays in the windows because it's like the start of the Christmas display season, etc. And we learn that Ralphie wants this BB gun. And that is the main thing that carries us through the entire movie. The rest of the movie is a bunch of these little short stories. And if I can, I'll try and say, okay, we're going to start this story. We're going to start this story. But sometimes the stories blend a little bit and it's a little harder to do that. But I'll do my best. We jump forward to maybe the next morning and Ralphie is getting up for school and is trying to find a way to manipulate his mother and eventually father into getting him a BB gun for Christmas. So he decides to take an ad for this Red Rider BB gun and stick it in his mom's magazine in her room to subtly get her to think about it. Ralphie goes downstairs to breakfast and the parents are talking about newspaper stories. And Ralphie tries again to give a subtle hint for the gun, but it doesn't link well. He says something about one of my friends saw there and the parents are like, what? And that's it. (laughs) It just doesn't, it doesn't land. The dad says that he wants a new furnace for Christmas. And this is our start of story one. Dad goes to leave the house and it's just mom, Ralphie, and Ralphie's little brother named Randy. Ralphie tells his mom that he would like a BB gun. And mom says for the first time out of everyone in the entire movie, you'll shoot your eye out, which is the theme for the entire movie as well. So the little brother won't eat. And the mom says, quote, there are starving people in China And I highlighted that because I was like, wow. First of all, obviously, we shouldn't say things like that. But I was like shook because when you hear about today, like when you hear a parent say they're starving people in X, it is not China. They usually say starving people in Africa. It's crazy to me that the country has shifted to a whole entire continent. (laughs) I also wrote the same line down just because for for similar reasons. But I was like... Also, there was a line, so I didn't write down exactly when it happened, but there was a line for that in, I think, the same conversation, and they say, a Christmas noose. And I was like, let's write that down. A Christmas I, noose? Yes. Well, I didn't, I, hear the, the, I didn't hear that. I think it's the dad that says it into some, in, in some context, but I wrote that down in the same, it was like right before that, when they're at the dinner table, or the breakfast table, wherever they're at. He says it, and I was like, hmm, quite a phrase. <laughs> It is a little bit, it's poetic, but it's also, it's supposed to be funny. These were written in her Playboy magazine. So keep that in yeah. mind. It's an adult-centered story, oh, basically. Yeah. Okay. Ralphie starts daydreaming about how the BB gun will be useful in defending his family from bandits. Back on Earth, the old man is trying to leave for work when the furnace stops him. And he finds that the damper has been closed. Did you understand? Because if you didn't, I'll explain it to you real quick. Expl- understand what 
the damper and the furnace issue. Go ahead. No. We'll just go say no. Do you remember in Home Alone how the furnace was like a real fire and he was scared of it? Yeah. But you know how in a chimney you can close the flue or other known as the damper? Mm -hmm. Like somebody closed the flue, basically, that was over the furnace. It was the mom. (laughs) The mom closed it and it overheated or something because it stopped working and the dad went down there and was like dag nabbit who <laughs> <laughs> closed the damper <laughs> and had to like fix it that's the basic of it that i understand i feel like obviously i have never had to live that way so it's very <laughs> outside of my like realm but mm. that's what i've always understood from it just so you know fair Okay, so I want to play the clip because the dad is hilarious. I love the dad in this entire movie. I have a lot of feelings around the family in this entire film, and I will get to that in a bit. But just so you know, if you didn't catch it, because I didn't really catch it until this time, the initial noise the dad makes as soon as he closes the door to get down to the basement is him falling down the stairs. Falling down the stairs, yeah. (laughs) I didn't catch that. I have watched this movie every year for 23 fucking years, and I have never realized he's falling down the goddamn stairs. I don't know. I thought it was just the furnace noises. It's a clinker! That blessed, stupid furnace, that gummit! hanging in space over lake michigan the next scene because we love that was hilarious to me at least the next scene the mom starts getting both ralphie and randy ready for school and she puts every last fucking piece of clothing that randy owns on him i was gonna say i wrote this one down for this spot too the bundling that the parents do is really how it be when it's the cold because i used to be bundled up to the brim with everything i wasn't waddling but there's pictures of me and my sister when we're going out and it's yes yes it really is how it be realistic i used to make the joke because randy he starts crying when she's finishing wrapping up the scarf around his head and she's what is it what and he's i can't put my arms down because his arms <laughs> like he's got so much clothing on like he can't put his arms down they're stuck out and i used to make that joke if my mom would bundle me up too much i'd be like i can't put my arms down <laughs> so yes it is really how that be also ralphie is not very old i can't really tell how old he's supposed to be i'm maybe around 10 i never actually googled this i could probably just look this up but the reason i say that is because he's clearly old enough that the mom has determined he's not going to let me overdress him but he's not old enough to really be old enough to do anything else do you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know i don't know mom says when randy's i can't put my arms down mom says put him down when he gets to school <laughs> on the way to school, Ralphie catches up with his friends. They're named Flick and Schwartz, 
And they start talking about tongues freezing to metal poles. This thing you talked about. When I was little, when we're watching this scene, my dad was like, Corey, don't you ever do mm-hmm. that. That really does happen. Don't you ever do that. It really will freeze to it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so Randy falls down on the way to school and he's like laying there, like rolling around. And he's like, I can't get up. Oh my God, I can't get up. So they have to go help him up. Then they get to school and in class, all the students take out these fake teeth to put in to play a prank on the teachers, which is fine until homegirl walks in and is, okay, give them here and puts them in her hand. That was disgusting. (laughs) Just hold the trash can out or open your drawer, whatever the hell you were going to do with them. Why did you hand them here? And every student lines up in single fashion and places the fake teeth in her hand. Disgusting. Those are children. You know where those mouths have been? On metal poles. Not that those are children. Those are children. They are, and they have disgusting mouths. So outside at recess, Schwartz starts daring Flick to put his tongue on the pole because Flick doesn't believe that it'll stick, apparently. And this is where we get the next iconic line. Everything from this movie is fucking iconic. Where he's like, I double dog dare ya. And they're like, oh man, that's a pretty intense dare. And then he says, I triple dog dare ya. And they're like, nobody can deny that. If you're triple dog dared, you have to do it. So Flick licks the pole and whoop did he do? It gets fucking stuck. (laughs) The bell rings basically right as he gets stuck. And he's screaming and crying. And the kids just leave him because, quote, the bell rang. <laughs> what else are they supposed to do, Cor? They have to go well, in. That's Well, I just love the fact that he was like, Ralphie's the bell rang. And then I think it's Schwartz. Says, what are we going to do? And he's, I don't know. The bell rang. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the classroom, the teacher is like, where's Flick? And some student points out the window. And then she sees that. And they call the fire department, the police. And Yes. What was the fire department going to do? So I don't know if you ever read the Watsons go to Birmingham. I think you you haven't read that. I haven't read that. (laughs) Okay. You might like it. It's a kind of a classic. It's also set in like the fifties, but the beginning of that book opens with the older brother. He's obsessed with himself and he kisses his mirror, like himself in the mirror, but he kisses himself in a car mirror in the middle of winter in Michigan Mm. and his lips get stuck. And technically you could put hot water on it. And I think in the book, they just use some really warm water. But the problem is, if you use too hot a water, you're just going to burn yourself. So that's the trade-off. Either rip it off and lose the first layer of skin or burn yourself. I yes. don't know. No, and that, that's, I've always thought that's honestly terrifying of getting your tongue stuck and then just having, the, the, yeah, what are they going to do? Rip it off? And that's what, they, yeah, that's what they did. And he comes in with this tongue all bandaged. And I was like, Ugh. Yes. In gauze. <laughs> but also, what else are you going to do? Like I said, I know, I'm saying, burn yeah. Yes, I also wrote down he comes back to the room with his tongue all bandaged in gauze. (laughs) And then the teacher decides that she wants to, she's trying to basically get them to admit who put him up to this. But they won't admit to it. And so she starts trying to guilt shame them. Now, I know that some of you put Flick up to this. 
but he has refused to say who. But those who did it know their blame. And I'm sure that the guilt you feel is far worse than any punishment you might receive. Now, don't you feel terrible? Don't you feel remorse for what you have done? Well, that's all I'm going to say about poor Flick. Adults love to say things like that, but kids know better. We knew darn well it was always better not to get caught. Now, boys and girls, I'm going to give you an assignment. I just wanted to include that because I just love this the line where he's adults love to say stuff like that, but kids know better than to get caught. And it's true. And I was thinking about it and I was like, today, as a 25, almost 26 year old, would I admit to doing something wrong? Yes, I do. I have a lot of guilt around not doing it. So I feel like if a teacher or someone above me was like, don't you feel guilty? I'd probably be like, yeah, I do. I did it. But when I was like, that age i no i didn't give a fuck i'm not saying shit (laughs) the teacher tells them to in the next scene to write a theme and this is the start of our second story okay so actually i guess the sticking the tongue to the pole would have been our second story so that has now concluded we're on to our third story of this christmas theme which this one is one of the ones that's very interrupted with other stories at the same time so there's another start point for a couple other stories during this story as well just so you know The teacher tells them to write a theme, which is essentially what they used to call write me like an essay. And my mom asked me one time when we were watching this movie, oh, did you ever have to write a theme? I was like, no, it's probably the same thing, but we never called it that. Yeah, no. But my mom grew up writing themes, so apparently it's what they used to call them. That irks me to my to my core. Like when she said it, I realized it was just a different word that they they probably used at the time. So I was like, "No, a theme is this and this. That's not yeah. A theme. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I agree. I feel the same way because they drive home. What is the theme of the story? Blah blah. Yeah. blah. Yes. So, anyways, so she asked them to write a theme and call it "What I Want for Christmas." So Ralphie decides to write about his BB gun. On the way home from school, this is the second, the next start of another story. And we see the boys talking about the tongue issue when bullies show up. And the one bully is named Scott Farkas. And the other one, he allegedly has yellow eyes. And the other one, they call him his toady or his little toady. And they start scaring and harassing him. And there's a line where his little brother is laying there and he goes, Randy, lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. (laughs) Yes, I wrote that down too. That was funny. I loved that. I thought it was hilarious. So Scott grabs Schwartz and makes him scream, Uncle. He's petting his arm behind his back and then lets them go. And then the kids run away after. Start of story three. When we get home, the narrator says something like, in kid world, your mind switches between things and forgets things super quickly. So I was more concerned about looking at the mailbox when I got home than I was about what had just happened, basically. And he's looking for his little orphan Annie decoder pin, and it's supposed to be in the mail. This comes back later, as the rest of the story concludes. And once we finish that, I want to talk about little orphan Annie. So don't let me forget. Yeah, I'll try my best. (laughs) Inside his house, he starts writing his what I want for Christmas theme. And we hear it. Like, he reads it out loud, and it's low-key shit. But also, he's supposed to be, like, 
I don't know, somewhere between eight and 10. So he's probably not a strong author at that point. <laughs> well, and I will say for me on, we, I said, we didn't write a theme, but we, I essentially wrote the same paper when I was in hmm. fourth grade, <clears throat> I guess. It was essentially, we had to write, we were learning how to write persuasive essays and we had to write mm. something to persuade our parents to get us something. So I wrote like mm. a full page, five paragraph essay on why I should get a we. And then Do you still have this? The paper? I think yeah. I, I pulled it. It was like saved. So like we have our school accounts when we were in fourth grade and we like, I saved it to my school account. So when I graduated high school, I went through my school account and pulled all the important documents out. And I remember grabbing it. I don't know what I did with it when I grabbed it when I graduated high school, but I, it does exist somewhere. I'll have to find it. We can compare oh. yours to Ralphie's. <laughs> we'll see who's the better writer. I had reasons. I had a conclusion. I was, it was a strong, I hadn't, I, and I got, I didn't get it then, but I did end up getting a Nintendo Wii. Clearly I was correct. I, my persuasion, I was very persuasive. That was going to be my next question. The most important question was, did you get a Wii? I don't think I got it that year, but I did end up getting one eventually. Mm. So it worked. It worked. It just, I planted the you seed should. and it blossomed later. So you truly did what Ralphie was trying to do this entire movie, even though Ralphie yeah. did nothing of it, basically. Yes, essentially. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I lived through the story myself and my outcome was much better than his. That's why I don't like the movie. I, I was going to say, it sounds like you're taking it very personal. This movie, you're like, listen, I understand your lived experience <laughs> and you're just shit at it. <laughs> so the old man comes home. And he's laying on the horn and he comes inside and he's yelling about how he won. He won. Earlier in the show, he was playing crossword puzzles, talking about how if he won, he could win $50,000 or something like that. We get the impression that he likes to enter into stuff. For some reason, the way I remembered it was that he won this prize by entering a contest on a radio show. But I don't think that's true. And I don't know where I got that because it doesn't actually tell us where he really won it from. But for some reason in my mind, he won it on a radio show. I don't know where I got that. Unless you were like in your mind, you were blending his and Ralphie's experience because Ralphie does really have a few key experiences with the radio, the Orphan Annie stuff yes. and the radio show. Yes. So maybe the radio theme just blended in with everything else in your brain. That's probably it. So anyways, he's talking about how he won something. And this is also where we get the start of the neighbor's dog story. And this is also now the start of the prize story. Okay. So we've got five stories running at the same time now. Okay. So the dogs are the neighbor's dog and they are unruly. The neighbor doesn't monitor them. And Ralph makes a comment about how like the neighbor has 900 dogs or something like that. Obviously not fully 900, but in the show, I would say it's a solid, probably like eight damn dogs. It's a lot, but they're all hunting dogs, but they're unruly. So they always come into their area their house their yard all that so the old man's trying to run inside talking about how he won and the dogs are following him and he's get out of here you mean too much and then he's so excited when he's inside telling his family about how he won a prize he grabs his hat and throws it outside to the dogs basically to let them chew it up because he's so excited he doesn't really care about the hat anymore but he slams the dogs one of the dog's ears in the door when he <laughs> opens it to throw the hat out there and then he has to go back and open it again because the dog is like crying because its ears in the door and then he's that's what you deserve which honest to god yeah these dogs do deserve that i would have probably beat them up before now because these damn dogs i swear they do some horrible things 
We also don't know what he won at this point. We just know that the prize is going to arrive tonight. And he's so fucking happy about it. He's so ecstatic. So he's, let's go ahead and eat dinner because what else are we going to do when I'm hungry? So at dinner, Randy, the little brother, or his kid brother, as Ralphie likes to call him, won't eat. So he's playing with his food. And the mom tries to take her first bite of food when the dad's, can I have some more cabbage? So she gets up, gets him the food, and then she goes to take another bite of food. And then Ralphie's, can I have some more of this? (laughs) She sits back down. And the narrator says something like, my mother has not had a hot meal to herself in 15 years. And when I tell you, when I used to watch this growing up with my family, my mother used to be like, I relate. I know how that feels every (laughs) fucking time. My mom is like the same way. She's always, I have not had a meal to myself in 15 years or whatever. At this point, she has because I moved out. My father is dead. <laughs> my my brother is 17. Now, she when she does cook for him and her, he honestly doesn't even eat with her because he's a little asshole. She pretty much gets to eat a hot meal now. But she had to lose a husband and a daughter in the process. <laughs> oh, no. The old man, as also as Ralphie calls him. So in my notes, I called, I wrote dad and old man, just back and forth. Sometimes I might call him old man. Old man says, you stop playing with your food or I'll give you something to cry about. And I was like, sounds like my fucking dad. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And the mom is allegedly more subtle. So she's, please eat, blah, blah. Then again, after the whole not having a hot meal to herself scene, the old man is, I got an idea. I'll just shove it in there, basically, into his mouth. And again, that sounds like my dad. And the mom is, listen, Randy, what sound does the little piggy make? How do the little piggies eat? And that's how she gets him to eat. And it's low-key gross. And you can see that the old man and Ralphie are very disgusted, but it's fine. I am of the type that don't like their food to touch, or I used to, I don't really care anymore. When I was a kid, I would not want any of my food to touch itself. So I was like, I probably am still the same way. There's only a couple foods that I will allow to touch Mm -hmm. now. Like when you put something like a meat that is meant to be on top of mashed potatoes with gravy, that's good. That's there's certain things that are like that. But for the most part, I also still don't like my food to touch. I don't like wet food to touch. Like if it's wet, like 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 juice from like I don't know, like corn juice or something. Like like you put it on the plate and the juice runs. Oh no, that's disgusting. I can't do that. Yes. Okay, I I agree. (laughs) And I still feel that way. And it's so weird to me because I guess like I thought my parents also thought that I would outgrow that because if you remember when you were a kid, I don't know what your family was like. But surely you knew at least one adult that was like, it's all going to the same place. Yes. And yes, it's all going to the same place, but it's still gross. Don't fucking do that. I still don't like my food to touch. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't mature enough because, (laughs) yeah, I remember adults telling me all the time, just eat it. It's all going to the same place. Okay, but gross. Today, I still, I eat, like I just said, I like to eat a lot of foods that are like, I guess, more comfort foods. So it's like mashed potatoes with gravy with some sort of meat that goes into the mashed potatoes and gravy, sits on top and you just eat it together. And then maybe corn or something on the side. I don't want my corn in my mashed potatoes. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do not let them touch. No. I can't, I... I can't <laughs> do it. But some people will whole ass mix them. And I feel mm-hmm. like I remember my grandfather and my grandmother when I was growing up, they used to mix their peas into their mashed potatoes. Disgusting. Disgusting. I've seen that. That's the thing. People really do that. But I think it's disgusting because... First of all, I don't like these. But second of all, I don't want them to touch, even if I did. So anyway, 
<laughs> I also wanted to point out here <laughs> that the old man is reading a newspaper at the table. And that reminds me so much of my family because growing up, my dad would like, we would always watch TV instead of like, sitting there talking and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And eating together. So it's the same concept because he's not really paying attention to the family. He's reading the damn newspaper. <laughs> and that was the same thing. Dad always turned on the, the news every night without fail. Got home news immediately. Dad and Ralphie are grossed out by the pig eating. And then there's a knock at the door. Parker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, what is it? I don't know. What's in it? Hey, bring it in, huh? Okay, boys. Hold on in, sir. Move the chairs. Yeah, yeah, bring it right on in, right here. Bring it ahead. Straight ahead. That's right. Wait. Okay, bring it right, right on in, folks. That's it. There we go. A little more. A little more. That's it. Watch the lady. Thanks a lot, guys. Merry Christmas. Get the crowbar and a hammer, Ralphie. Uh, fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that says fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. There we go. Jeez, really. Just one too many. 
snap of a few sparks, a quick whiff of ozone, and the lamp blazed forth in unparalleled glory. Oh, look at that! Will you look at that? Isn't that glorious? It's, 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 it's indescribably beautiful. It reminds me of the 4th of July. Turn off all the lights. I want to see what it looks like in the street. I'll go get the dining. Can we talk this over? Okay, so I'm going to pause it right here because my family always does the fragile thing <laughs> all the time. Love that. It's another kind of iconic thing from this. Ralphie keeps trying to seal up the lamp, <laughs> which is also <laughs> funny. My mom pointed out, I feel two times ago that we watched this, that it's not realistic. He's a little boy. He wouldn't have been like that, but who knows? And then the electric thing that just happened where he went to plug it in and it caught on fire and sparks and shit. My mom says she remembers that. She remembers that happening in her house. I believe it. Yeah. But yeah. No, obviously. What, what? Yes. It'll happen. Old wiring. <laughs> it happens. I, yeah. I know. That's why I said obviously. Like, I just, anyways, go ahead. What were you going to say? Anyways, my most, my question, like, I knew about the lamp. I don't know how I knew about the lamp, but I knew about the oh. lamp, but I knew it was going to be it's in iconic. the box. Yes. Yeah. I have, like, I knew it was tied to this movie too. I don't, but I don't know why. Like I could point out the lightning pole, the telephone pole scene, and all that stuff. I don't know why I knew about the lamp, but I knew it was. I knew it was going to be in the box. I didn't know that's what he got with, that he won, but I knew it was going to be in the box as soon as I saw the box. But my question is, why in the world does the whole leg light up? Like, oh, in terms of the feasibility of the lamp, why doesn't the top just light up? No, the whole plastic just lights up as if it's all. Just a design choice. I've never questioned it. But question it. You don't like it. Question your reality. The whole leg should (laughs) not be lighting up. But you don't like the leg lamp. I just think that the 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 top could have lit up, not the whole plastic body of the whole thing. But I will let it be. I will let it be. It's fun. It's fun. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. I fast forward a little bit in the clip because I'm going to skip over the part where he's outside. He's telling them to move the lamp to the right or left. And then the neighborhood starts to come out and gawk. And one of the neighbors in particular is talking to the dad. And the dad is annoyed. He keeps, he's, don't bother me right now. I'm busy. He's just <laughs> leave me alone. He's so fucking mean to this guy. Anyways, so there's a comment, though, where he's, like, telling this neighbor how he won it. And he's, you won it. It's a prize. And that's where we're going to pick up. Is there? Don't bother me. I'll see. You can't see I'm busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's, 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 a, it's a major award. A major award? Shucks, I wouldn't have known, Dad. It looks like a lamp. What is a lamp, you nincompoop? What is a major award? I want it. Damn hell, you say you want it? Yeah. Mine power, Swede. Mine power. The entire neighborhood was turned on. Oh, you should see what it looks like from out here. It could be seen up and down Cleveland Street, the symbol of the old man's victory. Yeah, he won that. It's a major award. Hey, isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes, it was 645. Only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. Who's that little chatterbox? The one with pretty auburn locks. Kids, it's Little Orphan Annie time. Brought to you by Rich Chocolatey Ovaltine. (laughs) I can still taste it. So I went ahead and played a little bit past the conclusion of the lamp right here because I wanted to 
in, in, include a little bit of orphan Annie, but as you heard, she said the entire neighborhood was turned on as then the only thing that could pull them away from, quote, electric sex was little orphan Annie. <laughs> Which all of that, love it. Very funny, to me at least. Little orphan Annie, the show is just introduced here to let you know it's still a thing ongoing, essentially. Little orphan Annie is actually based on a poem. And fun fact, that poem was written by James Whitcomb Riley in Greenfield, Indiana, which is where I used to live. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I've got Indiana stuff that I can throw in here. And Indianapolis also celebrates James Whitcomb Riley. Greenfield actually has a festival called the James Whitcomb Riley Festival for him. And then his house is still like a historic house i don't know if you can go through it or not you probably can but they have a james whitcomb riley museum in greenfield pretty sure we have one here in indianapolis as well but it was crazy to me it's always such a small world drew it's not just because i'm in indiana with little orphan annie this stuff happens all the time to me and it's crazy at least i feel like it's crazy that it's such a small world i feel like i enjoy when things come full circle as i said before when it comes to movies and tv i love when it happens in real life too And I adore the fact that I watched a movie every year growing up that mentioned Little Orphan Annie. And then I moved to Greenfield, Indiana, and everybody's obsessed with James Whitcomb Riley. And I'm like, who is he? What did he do? And I found out he wrote the Little Orphan Annie poem, which is then what the radio show and everything else that came after it is based on, is his poem. Did you know that before doing this research or did you find out when you moved there? I found out when I moved there. So I knew that when I was doing this research now that like Little Orphan Annie was like the same guy and everything I knew. But I went ahead and looked more into the radio show because I know nothing about the radio show. So the radio show ran from 1930 to 1942. And they had, as he talks about later, a secret society that was part of the Little Orphan Annie radio show. And Little Orphan Annie is actually also a comic strip. And it was a radio drama series based on the popular popularity of a comic strip, Little Orphan Annie. It was a poem, then a comic strip, and then the radio show. And I cannot confirm this, but you know the musical Annie? Yes. A Hard Nut Life for us. I'm pretty sure she's based on Little Orphan Annie because she's on they a little redheaded her, orphan. They call her Little Orphan Annie in the, in, in the musical. So so I'm pretty sure that's all related, but I did not do the research to confirm if that was true. But as soon as I was reading into Little Orphan Annie, the radio show, and how she does things like not really solve crime, but it's like her adventures and low key, I don't know, fixes stuff for people. I don't know how to describe it. It goes on adventures is the best way I can put it. But I was like, that just reminds me of Annie, the musical. Yes, and can <laughs> confirm. It is based on it, it is? the comic strip. Yes. Wow. Crazy. And all that <laughs> is just because some dude in fucking Greenfield, Indiana wrote a poem. Wow. Crazy. It is. God, Drew, whatever. I don't even need you to get it. But anyways, full circle for me. I have now lived in Greenfield, then moved to Indianapolis because why would I stay in Greenfield? But anyway... <laughs> Dang, don't throw our Greenfield v- our listeners under the bus like that, Cora. That's disrespectful. I'm here for you, Greenfield listeners. When I 
when you doubt there's a single person in Greenfield listening to us right now, Drew. Not anymore. They they just clicked away now. Look, if you're from Greenfield, I know you get it. I know you know. (laughs) Anyway, so on our way to school the next day, we get chased by bullies and we get to school. And for the next couple days when they get chased by bullies, they speed it up because it's not really super important. It's just something that happens and they want to show it. So at school, Ralphie turns in his theme and daydreams about how the teacher will fail all the other students, but thinks his theme is so good that she will make never make him write another one. And it's this daydream scene where she's, there has never been a better theme. A plus plus. <laughs> it was also in this moment where all the kids, when he gets the A plus plus, whatever, are cheering for him and they pick him up and carry him around the room. And I was like, I bet that little kid that plays Ralphie, I bet he had a great time making this movie. I bet he thought it was so fun. I wrote that down at the beginning, too, back when they were doing the bandit scene when he was thinking daydreaming about getting the gun. I was like, this, these parts were, they they had a fun time making this movie. You gotta give them Oh, yes. And I feel, I'd have to ask the actor, but I feel like he, I almost would feel like I got to live out my dreams by being in this movie. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, after school, the kids run home from the bullies. And then that night, the family goes to get a tree. And the dad negotiates for the Christmas tree. And I'm laughing because he's, oh, my dad, he's basically all about $2 off the tree. And the dad is like, maybe we should get a fake tree this year instead. And then the guys, I'll tie it to your car for free. And he's okay, deal. And on the way back home in the car, the kids and the mom are singing and the dad looks so unamused. And let me tell you, if I was driving and three other people in the car were screaming at the top of their lungs some stupid-ass Christmas song, I would probably wreck. So good for him. <laughs> okay, no, the next time I'm in the car when you're driving core, I'm going to be in the back seat just screaming, it's the Flintstones, just like we did on Flintstones <laughs> and automobiles. And we'll see what happens. You, you can't even sing the song. I don't know if you even know it. I don't know it. All the way. The tire while they're driving, blows. So the dad gets asked to change it and they make a comment about how the dad is timing. I bet I can do it in four minutes. And then the narrators, he wants to be in the Indianapolis 500 Speedway pit. And I was like, Indianapolis! (laughs) Indiana! (laughs) I wrote that down too. I was like, oh, Corey's going to love this. Or she's going to be all about this. I just, I've been to the Brickyard, by the way. Actually, my mom and brother and I went one time when they were here with me. But I just think that it's just, it's nice because, like, it's full circle for me. Watching this growing up, I lived in Louisville, and I had no connection to Indianapolis in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. Now I'm connected. And you had your NASCAR phase back in college. I still like NASCAR. Don't call it a phase. (laughs) It's not a phase, Mom. That was a phase. You still like it. You were hardcore NASCAR for two years. (laughs) Oh. Yes, I did. And I drove a NASCAR car. Did you know that? I feel yes. I feel like you told me that. Yeah, I did the Rusty Wallace experience and I drove a NASCAR car. And first of all, you can't adjust the seat. So I was so far back that I couldn't even shift. I, I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but you're supposed to go from first to second to third, etc. All the NASCAR cars are four speed. And I had to go straight from first to fourth because I couldn't reach the clutch all the way to push it in. 
to shift. So I had to just putter along until I got all the way up to <laughs> speed, basically. And then I was timid. Like I was afraid to drive fast at first. And they, I only paid for three laps, but they gave me more because they probably noticed I was driving slow. But by the time I kept going around, like I was getting faster. So it was cool. And they told us, they warned us on the way home watch your speed because you're not going to you're not going to realize it because you just drove a NASCAR car and you're going to be going like 90 to 100 in your car and it's true I really did I was whipping out like 95 and I was like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) anyways yes I'm still in a NASCAR I would love to drive another NASCAR car again and I would love to go to the Indianapolis 500 I did look into tickets this year but I forget why I didn't go but I didn't oh I think it's because I was busy that weekend I was doing something else on the same day as the 500 and then up here it's a huge deal people like for the almost how Louisville does the derby except not that big but it's still a big deal there's a lot of celebrations leading up to it everybody puts out NASCAR flags on their porches and shit people are obsessed with the Indy 500 up here it makes sense right just like Louisville and the derby but they really celebrate it up here I would also like to go to the Indianapolis 500 just because really for three years now I've watched People do stuff for the Indy 500 because even when I was in Greenfield for that year, like people still got excited for it because it was close enough. It's just outside of Indy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Let me get back to the task at hand. The dad gets out to change the tire that blew and Ralphie goes to help the old man. And the dad gives Ralphie the hubcap to hold the nuts inside of the tire. And he's low-key yelling at him while he does it. And I was like, my dad yelled (laughs) all the time. And the dad finally gets the tire off, but he does, he moves his arm weird and knocks the hubcap out of Ralphie's hand and everything goes flying. And Ralphie goes, oh, fudge. And then the narrator says, except I didn't say fudge. I said the F dash. (laughs) So he said, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And the dad tells him to get in the car and the dad gets in the car after finishing. And he says to the mother, do you know what your son just said? And then the mom screams. (laughs) (laughs) Like you would think somebody killed their son. And I included that line specifically because I was like, my dad fucking said that all the time. Do you know what your daughter just did? Do you know what your son just did? And my mom did the same thing. You know what your son did today? You know what your daughter did today? I don't know. As soon as they're upset with you, they disown you. You're suddenly the other parent's (laughs) child. So Ralphie gets the soap in the mouth punishment, which I don't know anyone who's ever gotten that punishment in real life. Do you? No, I don't think so. Because I don't even think my parents got that. I didn't ask my mom, but I really don't think she, my mom wasn't even a bad kid. So even if she would have done something wrong, it probably wouldn't warrant it anything like that. But I don't think even she, her family did the soap in the mouth thing. And I don't think that my dad's did either. And so I don't, other than, I don't know. I don't know anyone. That did the soap in the mouth thing. I feel like the only reason I knew about it growing up being a thing was because of this movie. We were threatened with it, but it never actually happened like to us. I feel like we were threatened with it too, but I feel like it was because of this movie. But also, why does the mom, why would you taste the soap? She does in the next little bit. Yes, we'll get to that. Yes. I I get it. Yes, but also. Why? 
I get it. I, I relate to the mother. I get it. But anyways, let's hey. play this clip. Over the years, I got to be quite a connoisseur of soap. My personal preference is for Lux, but I found palm olive had a nice piquant after dinner flavor. Heady, but with just a touch of mellow smoothness. Life Boy, on the other hand. <laughs> you ready to tell me? All right. Where did you hear that word? Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. But I chickened out, and I blurted out the first name that came to mind. Schwartz! Oh, I see. Mrs. Schwartz? Yes, I'm fine. Uh, Mrs. Schwartz, do you know what Ralph just said? No. He said... No, not that. Yes, that. Do you know where he heard it? Probably from his father. No. He heard it from your son. What? Serious, inexorable official justice. Rinse out and go to bed. Oh, am I glad you finished your homework this afternoon. So I want you getting right into bed and I don't want to see any lights on. You are being punished, so no comic book reading. I'm going to come in there and if there are any lights on, don't you give me that look. You're going to get it. As you said, the mom tries to soap at the very end there. <laughs> look, I get it. It makes for comedy. Why, why would you taste the soap? Ugh. Well... Okay, let, let's back up before we have that discussion. The mom on the other end of the line, when she calls her, she says, do you know what Ralphie just said? And she's like, where do you think he got it? She's probably his dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, no, you're a son. And she's what? What? I thought that was so funny. I love that. I love the screaming on the other line of the phone. <laughs> I will say... This year, I was listening to it, and I was like, you know what that sounds like? Do you remember the mom or, like, the grandma from Spongebob that's like, chocolate? Yes, yes. What were you thinking of? The mom from Big Bang Theory. Oh, I don't watch that. That's a shame. But it's a similar vibe. <laughs> I'll have to send mm. you a TikTok. That's... <laughs> okay, please do. For once, you could show me a TikTok for once. And then the mom says, don't give me that look. You're going to get it. Oh, my God. If my mother is not the same fucking person as this woman. Like, <laughs> my mom said that all the time. Did your mom ever say that to you? What, the don't look at me? Don't look at me like that? That? The you're going to get it? No, not that you're going to get it. The vibes were similar, but the oh. phrase was not used. Oh, my mom said, you're going to get it? <laughs> all the time. All the time. And then... <clears throat> the mother tries to soap. Here's my opinion, Drew. And then you, you you can tell me I'm wrong. She was thinking like, I've never tried the soap and I'm making my children do it. I wonder what it tastes like. 
Yes. Yes. And the logic makes sense. But still, my girl, don't eat the soap. I probably would do it, to be honest with you. I knew you were going to say that. Ladies and gentlemen, please send <laughs> us your recommendations to Corey on what soap she should eat. Well, he said palm olive was pretty good. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. Then Rafi is crying in bed. And he says, Three blocks away, Schwartz was getting his. There has never been a kid who didn't believe vaguely but insistently that he would be stricken blind before he reached 21, and then they'd be sorry. Wait, it's Phil! Uh, come on in, Ralph. Where you been? you to this lowly stage. Please tell us no matter how it hurts. What did we do? No, I, I can't. Oh, please, please. Ralph, I must know what we did. What brought you to this? Please. Please. Please? It, it, it was? Yes. Yes. So poisoning. I told you not to use life, boy. At the end of the clip, he's smiling because he got his revenge because he got soap poisoning and it caused him to go blind. And I remember my dad laughing at this scene and then was like, I remember thinking it like this as a kid. And then looks at me and says, did you think like that when you were a kid? And all I could do was nod because fuck yeah, I did. Jesus Christ, <laughs> all the time. Did you do that, Drew? The revenge plot theory? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you don't, I don't feel like you relate as much. Not as closely. The, again, the vibes were there. The details, not as much. Okay. That's exactly how kids think. Oh, they're punishing me like this. One day they'll be sorry for doing it. But they're not. (laughs) We read to school from the bullies. And then the next scene, we're at school giving the teacher Christmas gifts. And the Ralphie brings her this large-ass fruit basket as a bribe, essentially. Which, this is the only thing in the movie that I think I've questioned and don't. I can't get over it. Because everything else, I'm willing to accept it. Where the fuck did he get that? Because surely to God, his parents didn't buy that. He put it together by rationing his fruit intake for the past five months. Yeah, and that fruit would be rotten. I'm trying to give you a theory to work here, Corey. You can't just shoot them down. <laughs> On the way home from school, they run from bullies again. And then once at home, Ralphie finds his decoder pen and says that drinking all that Ovaltine for months was worth it. The night, that night, he gets on the show and is all hyped for this message even and he's even talking about how sure he is that it's going to be an important message 
and he goes to the only bathroom in the house to decode and his brother starts banging on the door and his mom is like there as well come on ralphie come on let's go and he's like just a minute and it's like real intense like it's almost like a five minute scene i feel like only for it to say the decoded message for it to say be sure to drink your oval teens <laughs> and ralphie's a crummy commercial son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been me that would have been me getting like all excited i'm sure there's I'm near some of my old toys right now. I'm sure there's toys I've gotten throughout the years that have, I wanted them and then for them to be trash. That was 100% something I would have done, especially to a decoder, because I was all about spa stuff when I was a kid. So oh, I'm yeah. sure that happened to me at least once. So downstairs, <laughs> the mom is finishing dinner and watering plants, and dad is messing with the furnace, and we hear the lamp break. And mm. this scene that I'm going to play if this isn't or wasn't my fucking parents to a T. I think I've, in watching this and having to write this synopsis and really break down why I love this movie so much, it occurred to me every bit of this reminds me straight up entirely of my family. What happened next was a family controversy for years. because he's going to buy glue and like he said the old man tried to come up with a real crusher but all he got out was not a finger my mom loves that line i think she thinks it's the funniest line in the entire movie because sometimes occasionally especially right after we watch it again for the season she'll be like not a finger <laughs> so but my oh my god every time my parents would fight over something like this something similar like this my dad would always be like 
you're just jealous or you just don't like this thing because of I've got it or something like that. My mom would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then my dad would be like, if they needed something like glue or she did something and he felt he didn't like what she did, he basically would be like, you did that on purpose. That is literally <laughs> exactly what my parents would say to each other. I was like, this is literally my parents. It's crazy. So anyways, the old man tries to fix the lamp after buying more glue and it doesn't work. And they say he buries it next to the garage, quote, now I could never be sure, but I thought I heard the sound of taps being played gently. <laughs> my dad thought that was so funny you know what taps is right yeah yes for our audience in case you don't know what taps is it yeah. is the military at a funeral what they play <laughs> and my dad thought that was the funniest shit i remember the year that we watched this that he also asked me same year he asked me oh did you think like that when you were a kid with the soap poisoning thing the same year that like, when he heard the taps line he thought that was so fucking funny so the next day at school the bully stopped them outside the building and dumb fucking flick gets called over and he actually goes over like a fucking dumbass and lets them bully him then in class they get their themes back and ralphie gets a c plus and he imagines the teacher as like the wicked witch of the west yes and wrote she wrote at the bottom of his theme you'll shoot your eye out <laughs> <laughs> so he imagines his mother with the teacher as like a jester with the witch and is like oh my mother must have gotten to her Ralphie leaves deflated and gets hit with a snowball on his way home by the bullies. And the bully, Scott, says, when I tell you to come, you better come, in reference to that morning when he ran away and Flick went over instead and starts taunting him about crying and being a crybaby. And Ralphie says, he just snaps. He doesn't say anything. The narrator says something about there was just a lot of emotion, essentially, that kind of broke in him. And he just beats the shit out of this bully. And the kids start to gather around and watch. And Randy, his kid brother, goes and gets the mom. And the mom pulls Ralphie off and is, let's go home. And I was like, why is she not worried about the other kid? And she she said, I, I wrote down, I said, she left this kid just bleeding in the snow. That no, no yes. blink or nothing. She was like, okay, let's go. And just runs off. And Ralphie fucking annihilated him. And she's just, let's just go. At least be like, honey, are you okay? Like, where do you live? I don't know. I'm sure. Okay, here's the deal. I'm sure she knew he was a bully. Because parents know. Oh, yeah. But still, he is a child and you are an adult. And your child just beat the shit out of him. So at least help him up. <laughs> so the mom tries to calm Ralphie. And he's worried about uh, his dad's wrath. Which, same. I was always, also always worried about that. <laughs> and my the mom finishes dinner and we hear randy crying from a cabinet under the sink and the mom tries to comfort him because randy's crying and she's what's wrong and he's he's gonna kill ralphie <laughs> <laughs> and honest to god i swear i feel like this exact scenario happened in my household where i did something and i feel like my brother was like daddy's gonna kill Corey, and my mom was like no he's not i feel like that shit happened <laughs> so the mom essentially just when the dad does get home which he talks about the car in the driveway for me it was the garage door but i heard the fucking garage door oh my god <laughs> my blood pressure spiked so the mom essentially mentions the fight casually to the dad when he's at the dinner table and they just move on and again, honest to God, that happened all the time. My mom, I would be like, mom, please don't tell that. Please don't tell that. And she would offhandedly mention it so that it never was a thing, if that makes sense. Yes. 
Yeah. So anyways, back to the BB gun. He decides to ask Santa for the BB gun since his parents basically weren't working out, right? So the next night, the family is at a parade before going to see Santa, and Ralphie keeps nagging to go. And the mom is chill. Just stay still. And the dad says, shut up, Ralphie. (laughs) So then after the parade, they do go to the mall so that, quote, Randy and Ralphie can go see Santa. In reality, the mom and dad are doing Christmas shopping. We'll come back to this. But I was like, it occurred to me, they really waited until the last minute, like the night before Christmas (laughs) Eve. But we'll come back to that. So anyways, um, so they go to the mall. And they go to get in line and they realize it's longer than they thought. And they try to accidentally cut. Remember how I told you John Shepard also physically appears in a cameo in here? Do you remember when they go to get in line and that guy, the the actual adult man, is like, hey, young man, where do you think you're going? The line ends here. It starts back there. That was John Shepard. I see. So that was him. He wondered what he looked like. And what he sounded like. He also did sound like himself as the narrator. If you listened, you got, you really listened to that guy. Like, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to notice it. But if you really listen to that guy, you'll be like, oh, yeah, he does sound like the narrator. So they go to the back of the line and there's a weird kid in the back of the line. Right. And the weird kid just is the I like trains kind of vibe. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. He's just he like he literally just says, I like Santa. I like the Wizard of Oz. I like the Tin Man. Like, he just talks like that. And he's constantly smiling. And he's wearing, like, an aviator hat thing. And Ralphie's just, huh, okay. <laughs> and something I read, a fun fact about this, that kid was an extra. They just pulled him out of the crowd of extras mm-hmm. and was like, hey, yeah. do you want to do this real quick? And he was like, sure. And he did a <laughs> damn good job. <laughs> he should have been Ralphie. <laughs> Wow, not you all over here just throwing people under the bus now. He should have been Ralphie. No, I love the guy who plays Ralphie. I absolutely adore him. I think he is a cute little kid. And he's a great actor as an adult still, too, which we can talk about that later because there's a second movie now for this. But anyways, I just was very impressed that a little kid and an extra at that was that kid, the weird kid in the line. The Wizard of Oz characters start to roam around the mall. And I didn't really understand why. Like, I didn't really get the point of that. And yeah. I thought it was funny, though, that the witch comes up to Ralphie and he's don't bother me. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then the weird kid is, I like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the only reason they had that was just so they could have that scene with those two funny lines. Because otherwise, I don't really know. But anyways... Finally, at the top of the line, just before the store is closing, all the kids are trying to get on Santa's lap and they're crying. Every single kid is crying when they get on Santa's lap. And the elves are yanking these kids around like they are dragging them by the arms and like throwing them around. So Ralphie panics when he it's his turn to get on Santa's lap and asks for a football and gets put down the slide because the way this is set up is a staircase up and then I guess there's a staircase down for the adults, but all of the kids go down the slide. I think they're trying to make it fun. Yeah. But anyway, Ralphie gets put down the slide, but he stops himself almost before he really goes down the slide and crawls back up to the top and is hanging on. And is actually, sorry, just kidding. I want the BB gun. And the Santa is, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. 
and pushes him down with his foot. <laughs> so then Ralphie's just laying there at the bottom in like fake snow and just doesn't care anymore. Like he gave up on life. He's just laying there until the dad comes by. The old man comes by and just pulls Ralphie up and says, could you talk with Santa? How was it? And then he says, did Santa ask you if you were a good boy? And he's no. And the dads don't worry. He knows. He always knows. And I just felt like that was sweet because it it's it's for the kids that you don't know about Santa and adults do. Right. And I don't know. I just feel like as an adult watching that, it was very sweet. I don't know. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes. A nod into the Christmas spirit. Yes. Yes. At home, they finally decorate the Christmas tree. They got this tree a minute ago, and they're just now decorating it. But anyways, and I remember my mom says, like, the bulbs that you saw on those Christmas, the Christmas tree in this. She was like, I remember those things are so hot. I'm surprised the house didn't burn down, that kind of shit. Has your mom ever talked about that kind of stuff? Not the, not, no, no. Mm-mm. So, you know how... When we were little, do you remember the Edison light bulbs that we grew up with that got hot? All light bulbs get hot, of course. Not now. One's no, but yes, I know which ones you're talking about. Yes. The bulb, the bulb light bulbs, the, the Edison yes. with the wire inside. Yes, yes. not the mercury ones because the mercury ones don't get hot. And then I think modern ones that are Edison don't get hot anymore. But the old ones, the ones from like 2005 and before, they all got hot, right? Which, that's crazy. Now that I'm thinking about it, kids are not going to have to grow it up. They're not going to have to worry about the damn bulbs getting hot anymore. I feel like there's a story where I was younger that involves a light bulb a light, a light bulb that got hot. Yeah, I burned myself a bunch of times I, on goddamn light bulbs. I don't think I did, but I think someone I know did. I don't know. It wasn't like a serious burn, but honestly, so we even had, in grade school, we even had projectors, like the original kind with the light bulbs. And I remember I had to change the bulb for some reason one time in fifth grade. I don't know why I was doing it, but it was fucking hot. <laughs> and I was trying not to drop it because it was hot. Build up your heat resistance, core. Yeah, clearly. My mom says that she remembers the bulbs on the trees growing up because my mom was born in 1964. Okay, so it wasn't the 40s, but she was like the electric stuff and everything that's happening in this. She grew up in an old house. She was raised from 1964 onwards. So by 1970, she's six years old. So she's probably starting to remember things from around then. That's pretty fair, right? To have experienced a lot of the things from this movie. And she talks about how the bulbs on the Christmas tree got so hot. And then she remembers touching them and they would burn her fingers. And that they were lucky the house is never burnt down because of how hot they got. And they were on a tree right it should have caught on fire i'm sure there was a lot of house fires i'm sure there was yeah honestly (laughs) also every time i watch this my mom and i always are like why does the tinsel look like cobwebs do you notice that the tinsel on the tree in this movie yes it looks like cobwebs i'm not the biggest fan of tinsel anyway so it's fine oh I love tinsel. It's a bitch to clean up, but I love it. I don't see any in your house, Cor. I don't have my decor up yet. Wait until the last minute like some people, are we? 
No, it's not even Thanksgiving for us right now. We haven't. We are time traveling to the future. Don't forget that. <laughs> still, some people after Halloween, it should still be up. So. No, my family, we always did after Thanksgiving. We actually used to do it either the first weekend of December or Thanksgiving weekend. It just depended on how the hol- the calendar fell and what we were doing on when we did it. But we always did it one of those two weekends. We were the same typically see that now you're criticizing me for no reason uh, yeah I mean, on site that, drew that's, that's what i'm here for Corey. that is what i'm here for <laughs> i'm telling you on site you're asking for it on site they accidentally blow a fuse when they're trying to plug in the bulbs and everything and make the tree work and then they step back and they admire the tree and the parents send the kids to bed so that they can get out the presents and wrap them. And this is where I wrote down, last fucking minute, my guys. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Ralphie wakes up. It has snowed like a true Christmas miracle. And then the boys race downstairs to see all the presents under the tree. The mom and dad finally get up. And the dad, if you didn't notice or you couldn't tell, he's hungover. No, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, he's hungover. So he must have been drinking last night when they were wrapping presents. <laughs> and then they have another drink that morning. But I want to say that's the best thing for a hangover sometimes. It's just to drink more. <laughs> they start opening gifts. And Ralphie gets the iconic, like truly everyone knows this, pink bunny suit. Oh, yes. From Aunt Clara. Drew, I want to send you something. I'm going to send you a picture. Last year in Indianapolis, my mom and brother and I went to a bunch of like little Christmas things and there was a Christmas tree like competition and what it is like a bunch of different companies make Christmas displays essentially and like they compete and one of the displays was a Christmas story and they had the bunny suit. For you to be able to put it on and you could take photos with this set. And I just sit through photos of me in the bunny suit in what looks like the living room of a Christmas story. And then me just sitting in the chair reading something in the living room of a Christmas story. Don't you love it? Yeah, I do love it. Catch me on Instagram. They're so awkward. I think I intentionally did that because it's supposed to be awkward. He's very unhappy in the, in the bunny suit. But... I actually like the one of me sitting in the chair. I think that's a good oh, little yeah. nostalgic that's a cute photo. Little picture. That's like a Christmas card worthy. That one is. Yes. But the, the bunny one's going on Instagram. Put them both on there. Give me some justice. No. no. The, only the bunny suit. It's going to be. No. Catch, no, catch you need to put episode. both. No. Put both. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to look both. ugly. <laughs> Also, have really, I have genuinely inquired on buying the bunny suit just for myself. But most of the time, a good quality one is running at least fifty bucks. But they're usually higher than that. Mm, and I've also inquired on the lamp because I don't know. It might be. It's not. I'm telling <laughs> you right also, now. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Number one fan, please send me a bunny suit. <laughs> Out of context, that's a great line. <laughs> But I've also acquired on the lamp because I really would like the lamp. 
But again, that one is running at least 200 plus. I can see that, that one. I'm ha- that one I can see that being pricey, yeah. That one I'm having trouble justifying because I really want it, but I don't know if I want it for that much. But the buddy suit, 50 bucks, I think I can do it. I think I can swing it. Staring at me. Silence. That's all I got. I can't, I'm not offering, I will know because <laughs> anything else I say, it's on site. So I can't say anything else. <laughs> no, I know the solution. Just feed you some more soap. You'll go blind. Oh my God. Won't be on site. Oh anymore. my God. <laughs> so <not> scary. <laughs> oh, so, anyways, the mom is, oh, this suit is so cute. And his little brother is laughing at him. And the dad, he looks like a deranged Easter bunny, like a pink nightmare. <laughs> and, and he's, are you happy wearing that? Do you want to take it off? And Ralph is, yeah. And he's, go take it off. <laughs> and the mom's, okay, you only have to wear it when Aunt Claire is around. Like, what? He's a boy. <laughs> Why does he have to wear it ever if he doesn't like it? If a boy wants to wear it, he could wear it. But he also, I don't know, he doesn't like it. Anyway, the mom and dad are having a drink, as I said earlier. Sometimes that helps with a hangover. Randy is passed out in the presence on the floor. And Ralphie is cuddling with the mom and the dad. And the dad's, did you get everything you wanted? And Ralphie says, almost. And the dad's, yeah, okay, maybe next year. There's always next year. My God, would you look at that mess? Mm-hmm. You can clean the papers up. Not me. Oh, no? No. Randy did it last year. Well, he can do it again. Mm. You know, this wine's not bad. It's not good either, but he wants it. Yeah. No, you don't. Oh. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. <laughs> almost, huh? Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yep. Hey, that's funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Oh, behind the desk against the wall over there. Why don't you go check it out? Things are dangerous. No, no, put on your galoshes and your coat. It's cold out. 
I had one when I was eight years old. What if you hurt some stuff? Yeah. Tell me, your coat! They send him outside to shoot the gun. I played that because I just felt like it was so sweet watching the dad. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the way he was like, do you know how to use it? Yeah, okay. And he's so excited to watch his son be so excited and happy. I don't know. It almost felt like the dad is maybe even, like, reliving his memories through Ralphie living it currently. Does that make sense? It was (laughs) a beautiful little moment. Even though Ralphie is, is about to have something unfortunate occur we're in the last roughly 10 minutes of the movie and all these little storylines are starting to conclude right so ralphie goes outside and the dad says or actually the mom says don't shoot anything don't shoot any animals and the dad says except for the neighbor's dogs you can shoot them (laughs) (laughs) and while ralphie runs outside the mom is starting to take the turkey out of the oven because that's what they're going to eat it's like a traditional christmas dinner the dad is described as a turkey junkie and the mom is like trying to keep him off of it because it's not done yet and she also wants them just to wait purely for dinner meanwhile outside ralphie is imagining his ultimate fantasy he's going to shoot the bad guy Okay, Black Bart, now you get yours. Oh my god, I shot my eye out. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll shoot your eye out. Oh, oh, oh. So Ralphie realizes that nobody knows that he hurt himself and he's okay. I can get out of this. I can make this right. But his glasses got knocked off his face. So he's going to start trying to look for them. But unfortunately steps on them in the process and breaks them. I think it's a little unclear whether or not he truly necessarily broke a lens by just shooting it in the BB gun. You know what I'm saying? But he for sure broke them when he stepped on them. So. Yes. And I fully admit I'm blind as a bat without my glasses. We'll say. But even I would have seen glasses against the white snow without my glasses on. Yes, but again, don't forget how old Ralphie is. He's somewhere between 8 and 10, probably. When you were 8 and 10, would you have really been able to yes. like find your glasses without stepping on them? I don't know. I still I don't wear glasses, so I don't even know. But I feel like I'm a ditz. And I feel like it would be very realistic for me to not see them and step on them. That's me, though. That is you. <laughs> also, fun fact, my mother is also blind as a bat without glasses. And there was a time we were going to... We were going to something. It was recent. It was like a couple months ago. And she put her glasses down somewhere that she never normally puts them. And I don't even know why. She doesn't know why. And she couldn't find her glasses. She was getting ready. She was doing her makeup. And then was going to put her glasses on. She was like, I can't find them. And was freaking out. because She was like, we can't go if I don't have my glasses. I can't see anything without my glasses. We have to find them. And she was paranoid and upset. And I get it. But it was also very funny for me. (laughs) But I don't wear glasses. So. Also, Drew, I thought there were times when you haven't worn your glasses. Do you wear contacts? 
Yes. I was going to say, I feel like I've seen you without glasses a couple times. Recently, yeah, because I, I wear my contacts when I do karate. So I don't want to break my glasses. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have terrible vision. I get that my mom has terrible vision. <laughs> Runs in her side of the family. My mom and brother also both needed glasses. My brother, I don't know how bad his is. I've never asked. But he also needs glasses. And my mom has needed glasses since she was a kid, too. My dad had great vision, and I have good vision. So I guess I got his genes. <laughs> so inside, right before Ralphie's trying to find the glasses to concoct his plan to make it seem like he didn't shoot his eye out, the dad is still trying to get out the turkey. And the mom is, get off that turkey. You're going to get worms. <laughs> <laughs> so once Ralphie realizes outside that his glasses are cracked and broken and there's nothing else he can do, because he's at first, he's like, I can fake it. Maybe they'll never know. But they're broken. He can't even use them. <laughs> so then he's like, how do I get out of this? How do I make it so that I didn't shoot my eye out? Like, they don't have to know. And he decides to say an icicle fell on him, which, interesting. Not unrealistic, but also unrealistic. But we'll go back to that and start fake crying. So his mom is like, Ralphie, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, an icicle fell on me. I hurt myself, blah, blah, blah. And she believes him immediately, takes him upstairs, tries to treat his little tiny wound from where he shot his eye out. And then he's, oh, I got away with it. And she's, wear your old glasses until we can get you some new ones basically and she says those icicles have been known to kill people you got really lucky that's why i say it's unrealistic because genuinely yes icicles when they fall on people it's not usually that little tiny little tiny cut that he had like it is a serious thing when an icicle falls because those things are like they're knives basically you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so i don't know if i really feel like it's believable, but it's not. Yes. And I would agree. So, like, when you watched it, how did you feel about that in particular? It didn't rub me any any weird way. First off, when I think of Icicle Falling, I think of Grey's Anatomy, which you haven't mm. seen Grey's Anatomy, have you? Have you? No, I have not. It's something I want to watch, but I know how long it is, and I, like, am struggling with the idea of starting something that's that long. But anyways... But someone gets impaled by an icicle, pretty much. Uh, so that's what I thought of. It kills I... people. Ralphie's like, oh, I left my gun outside. She's it's okay. You can get dressed and go back out when you're ready and just moves on with her life. She does not assume that he shot his eye out, which is interesting that she didn't assume that. They left the door open mm. in a rush to get Ralphie inside to get treatment. And who comes on in? The neighbor's dogs. And what do you think the neighbor's dogs do? They eat the Christmas dinner. They eat the turkey. They eat all the food on the table. Honest to God, they destroy the fucking table, I think. Don't they break the table in the process? I think so, maybe. Yeah, because they knocked it over and everything. The mom goes back downstairs and leaves Ralphie upstairs. The dad's in the living room reading the newspaper and is, oh, shit, the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and then they he sees all the neighbor's dogs eating his Christmas dinner. And then the dogs run back out the door. And he chases them out. Also, they broke the screen door, too, in the process. For me, I would have gone to my neighbor's house and would have been like, get control of your fucking dogs. I would have been yelling at my neighbor. But the dad does not. Yeah. The dad, honest to God, never even interacts with the neighbor one time. 
I don't really understand, especially with the way his dad is. I would have thought he would have gone to the neighbor's house. Yeah, there wasn't enough time, especially if they had introduced the neighbor early earlier on, or if they had tied it back to like when the neighborhood was looking at the lamp and he was all like, get your dogs under control. And then he'd come back mm. and then he would went to him at that point. But since they haven't mentioned him, it did before specifically, it didn't bother me as much. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The dad cusses the dogs out. Heavenly aroma still hung heavy in the house, but it was gone, all gone. No turkey, no turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup. Gone, all gone. <laughs> all right, everybody upstairs, get rest. We are going out to eat. So... Also, I love the way that he says, such a bitch. He's so like <laughs> high pitched with it when he's cussing out the dogs. But they go out to what would be the only place that would be potentially open on Christmas in the United States. And that is a Chinese place. And they go to a place called Chop Suey Palace. And they are the only customer in that establishment. And the entire staff is trying to keep them happy. They're trying to sing for them. They're trying to do everything <laughs> they possibly can. And there's a funny scene where... One guy is correcting the English of the other guys who are singing for them because they're singing it with the wrong pronunciation. And then he's like, whatever, just get back to the kitchen. And they bring out the food and it's a duck. And the duck still has its head on it. And the mom is laughing and can't really handle it. She screams. And the dad's it, it's smiling at us. So the guy's, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and just chops the fucking head off. Then he's like, is it okay now? Is it okay? And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. And they have their Christmas dinner in the Chinese place. And the movie pretty much concludes with them back at home that night on Christmas night. It's snowing again. The parents are in the living room. Like the mom comes downstairs to join the dad. And they sit together. And they have a little cheers moment with their alcohol. and. They kind of, I don't know, like not cuddle, but they put their arms around each other basically. And it's a real sweet moment. And then upstairs in bed, Ralphie and Randy are trying to sleep. that's how the movie ends and i think it's nice that he says it's the greatest gift that i ever receive or would receive because it makes it like clear why this particular christmas is the one that he wants to talk about and remembers if that yeah. makes sense because all the little stories have wrapped up and it makes it like okay this is a extremely important christmas to him and this is why this is the one that he remembers as an adult mm -hmm. no that makes sense i agree the end Drew, 
you said you weren't a fan. You got bored. Yes. Tell me about it. <laughs> I don't know that I did get bored with it, but I think my biggest issue with the whole with the movie itself was the fact that it was so many little stories together. I like the one mm-hmm. like a big central story to follow, I think. So the mm-hmm. fact that it was so split up and there's a lot going on. Yes, it all did track back to the BB gun storyline in the end. And that is overarching. But it, like like you said, it took you a while to get back to it. So it made yes. the movie feel longer than it was, yeah. I think, too. Because you're like, that's the story you're invested in at first. And you take all these little side journeys just to get back to it. But it also, it all it's all tied together. They're all blended, but they're not tied together in a more obvious, direct way. So I, that's yes. what I think I didn't like the majority about it is that it wasn't a central storyline or even a bit more cohesive, even though it was to an extent, it wasn't enough. I think that was my biggest issue with it. No, I agree about the cohesion, actually, because when I remember this, I just watched it twice in a row. OK, because I watched it once and then I watched it a second time to write the synopsis. And I know for a fact that the way I remember it is different than the way it plays. And I know that the same thing's going to happen next year. I rem- I watch this movie every year, but the way I remember it is always different because it's not cohesive. So I agree with that. But and I think that I wasn't necessarily bored with it. It was more, well, also I was, like I said, I was bored with it. I think it just felt like it took longer, that aspect of it, that it was, it felt super long. Yes, and I also agree with that. And remember how I just said I agree with you on the cohesion thing? Because I remember it out of order sometimes. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking, oh, I'm further than I am. The first time Mm -hmm. I watched it this year, and I was like, this is longer than I remembered. But I also love it. So I guess I'm just anticipating my favorite parts. For me, because this is something I watch every year. So growing up, we had cable until I think I was in college. I think that's when we got rid of cable. Because I don't think we would fully switched over to just streaming until I was out of the house. So I know we had Netflix when I was in college, but I think I was like 18 or 19. But anyways, because my parents held out. <laughs> they did not want to do streaming for a very long time. Because I know streaming was a thing when we were like 12, but they just didn't want to do it. Because I remember the first person who told me that they switched to streaming and I was in middle school. Because I remember being like, what's Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways... Every year growing up on Christmas Eve, if you just turned on, I want to say CBS, it could have been ABC. I don't know which channel we put it on, but if you just turn on really any network channel, they're playing Christmas movies every year on network television. Don't remember what channel I'd have to ask my mom. This movie plays around mm, 6, 7 p.m., maybe even 8 p.m. Every year on Christmas Eve this movie would come on. So every year for me, I watched it, maybe not fully, maybe not intentionally, but because it was just on. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. So then when I got to be older, it was like, oh, we have to watch it. We have to watch it. Like it was always on. We can't not watch it. Yeah. And I don't know how this happened or why this happened. It's quite serendipitous. My dad got sick in 2019, and then, as I've mentioned before, passed in 2020. The year before that, in 2018, for some reason, I came home on a weekend right before we left for break, 
And I was like, oh, can we do Christmas exactly like we did it when I was a kid? And my mom and dad were like, what did that, what do you mean? What does that look like? And I had vivid memories, distinct memories of this is, (laughs) Drew, I don't know why, but I might fucking cry. I had distinct memories of we ate this food and we watched these things and we did these activities and it was exactly like this. I want to recreate that this year. And my mom and dad were like, we didn't realize that you remembered it so well. We didn't realize that you had that big of an impact on you. And I was like, yeah, I loved it. I want to do it again. And we got every food. We got everything we did. We recreated every last thing. And I think I'm going to cry because that was the last good Christmas I had with my full family before my dad was sick. And we recreated everything. And I don't know why it happened like that. I don't know why that Christmas I was like, I want to recreate it. I remember it vividly. And we just did. But I'm so happy we did because that's the last good one like that we really had all together. And as an adult, since dad has died, mom and I and Gabe and I have had fantastic Christmases. I make a point to like still celebrate Christmas really intensely. But still, I'm always going to miss my dad. Yeah. Sorry, I'm crying. (laughs) For me, I was watching this and it was occurring to me why this is so important to me and why I love this movie so much. And I also like this whole movie. I was like, that's my family. That's my family. That's my family. That's exactly how my dad is. It's exactly how my mom is. It's exactly how it was. For me, I was Ralphie because I was the older sibling. I was the one that was the fuck up. I was doing the bad shit. I was not the soap in the mouth, but I was doing things that were like, daddy's going to kill Corey. That was all brother, me, mom, and dad. It's another reason I think I love this movie. It's because it just reminds me so much of my family too. And then I have distinct memories from that Christmas, the one I was referencing where I was like, my dad was like, oh, this is so funny and would laugh or ask me, did you think that way when you were a kid? That's all from that Christmas of 2018. That's what I remember. The last thing in this movie that I didn't mention that my dad always did every year that is crazy to me. And I don't know, maybe he got the idea from this movie. Every Christmas, there was a surprise present that we didn't know about. And he would be like, what's that over there? And oftentimes it was something hidden pretty good, either in the tree, if it was small enough, like physically in the tree, like deep, like up near like the trunk of the tree. Or it was like hidden behind something. And my dad would be like, what's that over there? And it was like usually a really big gift or the gift that you wanted the most. The only time I think he couldn't do that was the Barbie dream house (laughs) because it was so big (laughs) that he couldn't hide it. But I think every other time it was something really, you know, and I think the year I got a TV, that was that Christmas gift because I got a 10 inch TV because I was like eight years old. So I think I was around eight years old. And I got a 10-inch TV because at the time, flat screens were just starting to come out. And no, I had to have been like 10. I was either 8 or 10. And I want to say I was 8, but I feel like I was 10. Either way, flat screens were just starting to come out. And I got a 10-inch TV for my room. And I thought that was the best thing I could have possibly gotten. And that was one of them one year. And then one year I got an iPod. You remember when iPods were super popular? That was one of them that year. That was the one for that year. And then I'm trying to remember what other things that I got that were like for that, the big one that was always hidden. And I began to expect it. So, you know, one year they were like trying to play it off like I I didn't do it this year. And I was all upset. And they were like, actually, just kidding. Go look over there. (laughs) I, I also asked my mom as an adult to do that. I'll be like, can you save one present specifically for the hidden away one on Christmas Day? And she 
like she does sometimes it's not the correct one to hide away (laughs) (laughs) like sometimes it's something small and goofy sometimes it is the really big one she's she she's always said that dad was the one that ran christmas and stuff you know so for her like she's like i'm not i'm just not as good at it as your dad is or was i think she does a really good job and i think combined between me and my fucking antics and then her doing everything i ask it's always a great christmas i've always had a fantastic christmas the only bad christmases i've had have been like emotional ones the mm-hmm. one I, I was going through a breakup during one of them it was all bitchy and then the year that my dad was sick was a sad one because i knew this was our last christmas and it just didn't feel the same but it was still good it was still a good christmas sorry i'm a little emotional but i think that's why i'm so obsessed i'm with here this movie. for it i think it's yes. It's all the emotional ties that I have to it. Yeah. And that's not my, like when we did our last movie was Once Upon a Christmas. And even in that one, I don't mm. have like such strong emotional ties to that one. But I, when we were watching it, I was like, yeah, that's because the the brother is 12 and the sister's 10. There's two years time difference. That's probably why me and my sister are always yes. so obsessed with kids. The little closet cut out in the wall. But there are little communication yeah. stuff. That's why we attach to these movies so much is because we see our lives in them. Yes. Yeah, ourselves. Yes. Exactly. So the newer movie, the one that came out last year in 2022, fantastic. Absolutely loved it. It was written in no connotation of a John Shepard. It is taking place when Ralphie's an adult. And if you ever wanted to know, Ralphie looks exactly the same as he did as a kid, as an adult man. (laughs) (laughs) He is, he's an adult now. He just has the same exact face. He still has a baby face and those same bright blue eyes. And it's him. It's, I can't remember if it's the first, I think it's the first Christmas since his dad has died. His mom is alive. She's still in the same house. His dad has died and he's got kids and a wife of his own. And In the second movie, he comes back to his mom's house and there's lots of little pitfalls that happen, but it's a much more cohesive story. There's Mm. not all these little offshoots in A Christmas Story. I want to say Schwartz and Flick are both in it, but at least one of them is. And I know that bully Scott Farkas, he comes back and that's a whole thing. And it's great. And I honestly think you might like the second one better just because, like I said, the cohesion is not as big of an issue with the the Mm. second one. Yeah. I also felt like it's a great addition to the story. Sometimes when they make sequels, it's, God, why the fuck did they do that? I did not feel that way about the sequel because I I have held this movie in such high revere. I had high standards for the second one. And it met it. It didn't, it wasn't like the level of Shrek 2 like Mm. good but it was good enough that i wasn't upset with it you know what i'm saying like i was very like content with it like it fits well into how the story goes so i encourage you to watch the new one because i think you would like it better it might be a a movie that we do next next season core you never know i would love to but it is not nostalgic because it is from 2022 it's not a rewind We'll give it 20 years and then we'll do a rewind for it. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) When it becomes vintage. (laughs) This is the third movie in a row that we're watching that 
old enough that there's no no there was cell phones in the last one so i was gonna say there's no cell phones in the last one but there was cell phones they just had the little nokia ones but the technology is not the same but i guess what i'm thinking about is the other one we watched the plane trains and automobiles lack of technology and stuff sometimes when i watch those movies like in real life nowadays if i leave the house on my phone i'm like fuck me i can't do anything but i feel like we obviously got by before without them sometimes i wonder we always refer to things as like a simpler time but i just wonder if it was more like easier to just be present because technology was lacking yeah that's fair and i think that it's also another reason that i like this movie is because it's so easy to be present during that time like the highest technology they had was the radio show it wasn't mm. they didn't even have tv <laughs> yeah i would never been would have been a radio kid myself i'm a tv kid through and you through. don't think no i like radio like shows that. i you know, i don't know i'm only now recently we're doing this podcast but i'm only recently getting into audiobooks and like radio like not radio but like podcasts and stuff such like that i would have mm-hmm. been more of the instead of the kid getting the radio for entertainment i would have been the book comic book getting your entertainment mm-hmm. from ri- their written word not the listened word I could see myself doing both. I feel like I would have liked radio and I know I liked books because I got books as gifts sometimes. Mm, I still like books. You gave me a book last year for my birthday, okay. right? So yeah. So or maybe it was Christmas, whatever it was. You One gave me a book. Two. So yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah. I like books too. But I do think I would have liked radio. I think that would have been a source of enjoyment for me as well. What about a BB gun core? Oh no. I when I was little though. I did know people that had BB guns and we did play with them a little bit. I feel like I shot someone with one and they got a welt (laughs) and then I stopped. (laughs) Probably for the best of humanity. If you shoot someone at close range with a BB gun, they're going to get like a fucking bruise. Like it, those things are awful. Yeah. I was an archery kid, but. In middle school, and after that, I was in the archery. But I actually have a target over there in my citizen storage room. My target's right over there, and my bow's behind mm. me. Don't shoot anyone. <laughs> As we go into the rest of this holiday season, and you're all getting the gifts and everything that's happening, don't shoot your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your Friday night rewind.